Welcome to the podcast version of The Promise of Shakunahe, an experimental serial novel published only on the digital spaces and found at its website base, bluesmokymountains.com. This is episode number four of the podcast's third season and includes from the novel Acts 157, 158, and 159. You can follow along if you'd like at bluesmokymountains.com. You can also support this podcast with a gift at the link you will find on the podcast homepage. In our last few episodes, Tim Pucci and his peace troop and trading party were captured by the Spanish along the shores of the northern Gulf of Mexico. They were taken first to the Spanish commander, General Galvez, and then transported by British diplomatic envoy Colonel Dixon to the British Fort George, where they met the British high military commander and the British governor, who recognized Timpucci by his English name, Sam Story. He was told he would be handed over for what was called safekeeping to the traitor William Panton, with whom Timpucci had dealings in the past. In this episode, Timpucci's friend Panton arrives and Timpucci is given the opportunity to gain some insight into the way Yonega deal with each other. Tempucci had drifted off in a daydream thinking about his boat, but it was burned by the Yonega soldiers. How would he and his men ever start toward the return trail to their own land? They appeared to be at the mercy of the Yonega war until it was over. They could not leave the settlement on their own. That would be foolish, even if possible. Now that he knew the Creeks and Choctaw were fighting for the British, Tempucci also knew his men would never stand a chance by simply sailing away. They were here and would have to make the best of it, use the experience to learn more about the curious ways of Yonega and the ways in which they battle. Tempucci was shaken from his thoughts when William Patton suddenly burst through the door winded slightly from his quick buggy ride to the fort. Sam's story, he shouted when he spotted Timpucci in the corner of the room. What in the blazes are you doing in the middle of a war? How in the hell did you make it through the Spanish blockade? Before Timpucci could explain, Governor Chester interrupted to tell the story and solicit from Panton a promise to look after Timpucci and his men until the Spanish could be driven from the bay. That may be a very long time indeed, Patton replied easily and assuredly. From where I sit, it looks like they intend to stay until they have taken the fort and the town. From where you sit, Patton, the general interjected, you'd better hope they do not, for they will, in short order, take over the lucrative business you've managed to build and make you a Catholic in the process. That should stir your Scottish Calvinist blood to a boil. Ah, general. Panton coolly replied. That's where you and I differ. You seem to believe it is over religion you fight. Rather, it appears to me you fight over the money and goods I control. You and your friend McGillivray think you have this whole episode tied down, don't you? The general leered. Don't think I don't know how you two are playing this war, hedging your bets by only helping my soldiers where you think it will not damage your chances of doing business with the either side. Is that why those Indian warriors of McGillivray's only camp on the trail back to their nation 
and not in the fort with the rest of the soldiers? Tempucci perked up at the mention of a trail back toward the Creek Nation. Now calm down, General, petitioned Panton. You'll get riled up and cause your men to become unsure of your leadership. You hear me out, Panton, Campbell threatened, raising his fist and shaking it at the traitor. There are actually three sides fighting this conflict, the British, the Spanish, and Panton and McGillivray, waiting to see who will win and ready to come down feet first on the side of the victor, just like greedy alley cats. When our superior British forces finally rout these Catholic bastards, there will be a day of judgment for those who did not fully participate in our cause. Hearing the threat, Tempucci's mind leaped immediately to the old tale of the wolf's revenge on the dog. In the early, early days, you see, it was the dog that was up on the mountain and the wolf warmed down by the fire. But the dog longed for the warmth and came down and scared away the wolf, which retreated to the mountain and found it suitable and thrived for a few years. But as the wolf became stronger, he longed once again for the warmth of the fire and came down from the mountain and killed lots of dogs. The people responded and killed a wolf and the wolves responded more and even greater. And ever since, the people have been afraid to kill a wolf. Oh, come now, General, Panton said stiffly. Save your anger for the Spanish. You have nothing to fear from me. I'm suffering just as much as you by this blockade. Panton turned to Tempucci standing quietly in the corner, observing the wolf and the dog. Come, Sam Story, my friend, he said. Let's get you and your men situated and settled. My, my, you certainly managed to pay us a visit in a most unusual way. Panton motioned for him to follow out the door. Tempucci bowed slightly to the governor and general and departed, following Panton out the room. He collected his men and continued following Panton out of the fort onto the dark path which led down the hill to the village. Well, my friend, Panton said as the troop walked down the hill, since you are going to be here for a while, you might as well take advantage of some of the very few pleasures this small community can afford. The last rays of the sun were illuminating the western sky. Streaks of dark red pierced the high clouds like spears of blood. A stern sign, Tempucci thought. No good can come of this war. Evil is in the air. Just before he looked away, a huge flock of raven flew in haste across the blood-splotched clouds. Tempucci shuddered. The raven eats only what it can take from others, he thought to himself. No good can come of this.